Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor John Lindell. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Tonight, what I want to do is I want to talk about the power of testimony because as a result of the fast, uh, God is going to do things in your life and in the life of the church that are going to be supernaturally uh, extraordinary, exceptional, and the result is you're going to have a testimony. And when you share your testimony, it has a very powerful effect not only on you, but on your family, on your friends, on the church, and on the community. Churches used to do the, um, the testimony service. Maybe when I got saved, I was in a small church, and every now and then they would do a testimony service, and people would stand up, and, and they would say different things. And, and um, you know, some of it honestly sounded a little bit of the same old, same old, uh, kind of the uh, praise God, I've been saved, sanctified, filled with the Spirit, amen, bless God, sit down, uh, which is a wonderful testimony in some ways, but uh, tell me what God did with you. Tell me how God is using you to impact people's lives. The church is in a waiting room for heaven. We're not here to just sit around and wait till he comes back. When he talked about occupying till he returns, he wasn't talking about us sitting on these nice new seats. He was talking about you and I advancing the kingdom of God under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and sharing Christ with people through our testimony in a way that transforms their life. You're going to have a testimony. You're going to have a testimony of healing. You're going to have a testimony of God giving you wisdom. You're going to have a testimony of God resolving a situation you thought was unresolvable. You're going to have a testimony of God restoring shattered relationships, putting it together in a way that was better than you could have ever imagined. You're going to have a testimony of people getting saved. You're going to have a testimony of people being delivered from drugs and alcohol. You're going to have a testimony of people being set free. You're going to have a testimony because we've been praying, right? A testimony is a written or a spoken record of what God has done. What has God done in your life? If somebody came up to you and asked you this question in front of a group of people, what has God done in your life lately? What would you say? Every single believer should seek to have God so active in our life that when somebody asks us, what is God doing, without hesitation, we would say, I am so glad you asked. Guess what? What do you want? Do you want a story of what he's doing in terms of saving somebody? Do you want a story in terms of what he's doing in healing somebody? Do you want a story of what he's doing in the church? Do you want a story of, of how he used me to do uh, to minister to people? What do you want? Do you have a testimony? Do you have a testimony? Praise God for what he's done in the past. That's part of our testimony. But every single one of us should desire to have such a fresh encounter with the Lord that we can talk about what he's done because he's doing stuff all the time. Amen? 
A testimony is a written or spoken record of what God has done. But beyond that, a testimony has a very powerful purpose in strengthening God's people for what he's called them to do. Listen to what the psalmist says. This is such a cool verse. I have inherited your testimonies forever. Do you realize that as a child of God, this is so awesome. All of the testimonies. What's a testimony? It's a written or spoken word record of what God has done. That's your inheritance. You know, you know what God did when he parted the Red Sea? That's your inheritance. You know what God did when Moses lifted his hands in praise and the enemy was defeated? That's your inheritance. You know what God did when the waters of the Jordan parted? That's your inheritance. You know what God did when jo Joshua said, son, stand still, and it happened? That's your inheritance. Their testimony is your testimony because God has given it to you as an inheritance. The work of God. Their story becomes our story because we're a part of the people of God. This is a very powerful thing. They are the joy of my heart. You know, I'm convinced the reason a lot of people don't have joy is because they don't have a testimony. And maybe I should put it this way. They don't realize they have a testimony. They're not thinking about their testimony. They've forgotten about their inheritance. They've forgotten about all the good things God has done for his people, and you're one of his people, and so he's a good God who does good things, and the Lord's testimonies are your inheritance, and they bring joy to your heart. That's what the psalmist says. <laughs> testimonies are powerful things. What, it, what happens is, when a testimony is shared, or when you and I think on what God has done, the written record of what God has done, when we hear from another person the spoken record of what God has done, what it does is it, it challenges us because, as we're going to see in a moment, testimonies are not just words, they are prophetic words. They carry a weight of the Spirit on them. There is a grace on them. God has designed it so, so that you and I would be challenged, you and I would be encouraged, you and I would be motivated to walk in the purpose God has for our life because God created you on purpose, with a purpose, he wants to use you. And the testimony of what you're hearing God did in somebody else's life energizes your heart for God to do either the same thing or something similar in your life through you so that he might demonstrate his supernatural power in us and through us. That's God's desire. The Christian life at its core is a supernatural existence. We're fixing our eyes on Jesus. We're, we're seated in the heavenlies. That's a very supernatural existence. That's not merely theoretical. That is practical in the sense that you and I, as we're walking with the Lord, are interacting with him, being strengthened many times without us knowing it by his angelic beings, 
as we battle demonic beings to bring God's power into the lives of people that their heart might be transformed supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a supernatural existence from start to finish. We're fasting and we're praying. Why? Because God supernaturally, we need him to do things in our life we can't do on our own. It's supernatural. Testimonies then equip us to walk in the purpose for which we were created and to cause us, to motivate us, to live a life that displays the power of God in us and through us. Now let me just give you seven things a testimony does. Seven things. Number one, testimonies reveal how God works. So testimonies tell us this is how God works. So if we read in the Bible and we read the story, the, uh, the Gospels, the Gospel account, if, if you want to know what God does, how God thinks, how God would handle a situation, watch what Jesus did, because whatever Jesus did, Jesus only did what the Father told him. Jesus came to represent the Father, and he was the perfect representation of the Father. He shows us what God thinks, how God works. When we watch Jesus commission the apostles to go out to preach and to heal and to deliver people from demonic oppression, that is a picture of how God works. Jesus sends people out. God sends people out. A testimony shows us how God works. When we hear a story of, of somebody who was healed, it gives us an idea of how God works. So the, the people tonight who stood up, two different people I think is what Colin said, stood up, had injuries in their pelvis, it's an example of how God works. It's a word of knowledge energized by the Holy Spirit to in that moment affect the will of God in a way that will bring the power of God physically into the lives of people for God's praise and glory and for the strengthening of everybody in this room's faith to believe God, right? When we have a testimony, when we, when we read of what God does in Scripture, it shows us how he works. When we hear the stories from people, it, it tells us how God works. Oh, you mean God does these kind of things. It's a testimony. Second, testimonies create an expectation in our heart for God to work his miracles in our life. Hopefully, when you hear a testimony, it causes you to say, Oh, wow, God, would, God does that. God works in this way so that when you encounter either a similar situation or a situation that seems impossible as the one you heard about, instantly that testimony that you heard has given you now an expectation that you can go to God and you can pray and you can ask the Lord and the Lord will help you. That's the power of a testimony. In the, in the Hebrew, the root word for testimony means do it again. It's very interesting. In other words, when God gives us a testimony, it's God's way of saying, this is what I'd like to do again in, your, in the lives of my people. That ought to encourage you. Uh, forget the idea God is hesitant. 
be very careful. I, I talked in the first service. One of the pastors said, you didn't mention that in the second service. You should have because um, it, would have, it was just really good for people to think about. We have to be careful when it comes to the working of God and the moving of God that we do not build a theology about what God will or will not do based on our disappointments. The enemy would love you to. He will help you build it. What we have to do is we have to build a theology based on what we learn of God from the Gospels and what we see him do in the lives of people in the book of Acts as we have a narrative, a story of how God worked in the lives of people following Jesus' ascension into heaven. The book of Acts is still being written today. The things God did in the book of Acts, he wants to do today. So the testimonies give us that expectation and every record of what God has done in generations past is a promise of what he'll do again today in our lives. Now listen, at some point, you've got to settle that in your heart that that's true. Because if you don't, when it's time to pray and ask God for something big, you'll be trying to pray over the debate in your heart and the debate in your mind. And it will circumvent the power of God from working in your life some point you have to say either I'm in or I'm out. I, 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 I know God wants to work. Can I explain every way that God works or everything that didn't happen? We have to be careful. We don't, listen, the disciples, when they could not heal the paralytic boy, they didn't instantly develop a theology on why sometimes people aren't healed. What they did is they went to Jesus and they said, why couldn't we heal him? And Jesus said, it's because some things only come by fasting and prayer. He also said, because you have so little faith. So we have to go through and we have to think through. Did they believe they could heal? Yes, they believed. But what they thought was faith really wasn't faith. Obviously, because Jesus said they had very little faith and all they needed was a, a little speck like a seed of faith. So that, that requires additional time with the Lord to process that, to learn from that, and to go forward from that to allow God to use us. And you see that in the apostles. They had to learn. They had to go through a situation like that to learn from that to be used in the future. All that to say the record of what God has done in generations past is a promise of what he wants to do in our lives. Because remember, again, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did in the Bible, he does today. There's nothing in the Bible that says God doesn't do powerful things in people's lives today. And to the person who says, well, you know, I'm just not sure. My, my question always to somebody who says, well, I'm just not sure. My question is, well, okay, let's start with this. Do you believe God answers prayer? Well, yeah. Do you believe he, then if you pray for somebody to be healed, should God answer that prayer? The answer is, if you believe God answers prayer, the answer is what? Yes. I'm just simply saying that, that we, have to, we have to come to a place where we pray with an expectation that believes God's going to do something supernaturally powerful in response to the situation. There's a risk that's involved with that. There, there's times where people have to struggle through. And, and that's all part of growing in Christ, where you say, well, what, it, it didn't happen over here, it didn't happen. Listen, let me just say this. In the places where it didn't happen, rather than 
then, and I realize it, I'm, I'm talking about it, it's not that I don't understand the, the significance or the difficulty of working through that. What I am encouraging people to do is to say, listen, where it did not happen, rather than developing a theology around that, that honestly cements the loss. It would be better to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't understand this, but I'm not going to let that setback and my disappointment from that define my theology regarding praying in faith and receiving from you. And I'm going to believe that out of this, at that place of loss, it is within your goodness and your kindness to bring resurrection where there's been death, to bring hope where there's been sorrow, to bring life where, where there was disappointment, to watch God on that point and at that point do something powerful. Amen? Well, number, number three. Through testimonies, God's power is released into the lives of those who hear it. So what happens is, as, as you're sharing the testimony, Here's what, here's what we all have to understand. This is why testimonies are so important. This is why if God does something in your life and he, he is working in so many people's lives, that it's important for you to share the testimony because what happens is as you share it, God's power is released into the lives of those who hear it. So if you had God do something, write it down, share it. We want to hear about it. We will share it with others. Revelation chapter 19 verse 10 says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You say, what does that mean? I, I don't think this is an exclusive interpretation, but I do think this is one of the things this verse means. That when we share what the Lord has done for us, that's the testimony of Jesus. When we share what he's done, how, he, how we know him, how we interact with him, how we've prayed in his name, and what we've seen in response to that, that testimony prophesies to those who hear the testimony of what God is willing to do in their lives or in the lives of people. It energizes people to faith. This is why, in, for example, in the youth uh, services, and we've mentioned this, there have been a, a string of students who have injured their legs, had braces. I mean, most recently, um, one of the students um, was in there on crutches, was facing surgery, had a brace, had crutches, was in a lot of pain as he was there, but said, I'm going to go to um, the service anyway. And while he was in there, during the worship, with just being in the presence of the Lord. Listen, God can heal in a variety of ways, but just being in the presence of the Lord, instantly he knew his leg was healed. He took off his brace, put down his crutches, jumped up on the platform and demonstrated for the students there how he was whole. He carried his crutches and brace, braces out of the building. It's very similar to the woman who broke her pelvis on a Saturday, was at the West Campus service on a Wednesday, following Wednesday, and as she went forward, in a lot of pain, very difficult to sit through the service, as she went forward to pray for somebody else in the altar, God instantly healed her. Her husband carried the walker out of the building.
All that to say that, listen, when those students started seeing that kind of thing happen, they began to believe, oh, God did that for them. He can do it for me. God loves that kind of faith. I mean, let me just share a, uh, well, I'll continue on. I'm trying to watch the clock here. Every time we tell a story of God's work, we create an opportunity for God's work to be replicated in the life of another person. This is the power of testimony. This is why it's so, because what happens is, as you're telling what the Lord has done, people begin, there's a power to it that is beyond your ability to articulate. It doesn't matter if you're super good with, you don't have to be, just tell them what happened. But there's a grace of the Lord on that to transform people's lives. Because when a testimony is given, it prophetically begins to stir people regarding the power of God in their own life, and that power is released to make that testimony happen again. Now listen, so because I, I realize some of you have never thought this way, and so you're thinking, ah, I'm just not really sure. Why do you think we do salvation testimonies at Christmas and Easter? Because at Christmas and Easter in our service, we have a lot of unsaved people. What happens is, as Mr. and Miss Unsaved are hearing that testimony, as those people are talking, there's a prophetic power that now is touching the hearts of people who see themselves in that situation. And what's happening is, by the power of the Spirit of God, they're saying, oh, you mean God did that for them? and faith rises in them to believe God could do it for them. That's how that works. That's why we, we do testimonies, whether all kinds of testimonies, so that people can, can hear these are the things God does. You know, we've talked a little bit about Hallie Olson, and, and so let me just kind of give you the thumbnail sketch on this. She fell um, at the gym, off the gymnastics beam at gymnastics, dislocated, um, her shoulder and broke the humerus bone in her shoulder. The doctor couldn't reset the bone uh, because it was broken and she was going to need surgery where they would use pins in her shoulder. The pins would have to stay in her shoulder for about a month. Um, she couldn't get settled that night. She was in so much pain. So Lauren, her mom, was praying for her to be healed. The next day they went to the to the doctor, her arm honestly was, was not in the pain it would, had been in the night before. They go to the doctor, they do the x-rays, and her shoulder was perfectly aligned and the break was not even visible. Here's, here's the before and after x-rays. So this is the before, you can see the dislocation. I'm not a, I'm not a doctor, but I've been told you can see a doctor has explained you can see the break. We'll take his word for it. Here's the, here is the shoulder completely healed after. Moms and dads, here's the takeaway. Pray for your children. Have your children pray for you. Believe that God is a God who answers prayer. Number four, testimonies are what connects succeeding generations of believers to God's promise and power. Testimonies are the way we connect our children and our grandchildren 
to faith in Jesus. As we tell them not only what God did in the Bible and talk about it, not as if it's some fictional story, but as if it is as real as if it happened yesterday or happened today. And then when we can say, and I've seen God do this, and I've seen God do this, and I've seen God do this, what happens is it connects that generation to the Lord. Now I want you to think about this, because I think a lot of times people miss this relative to discipling their children. Moses commanded the people of Israel to rehearse the testimonies on a daily basis. Here's what he says. You can read the, we don't have time to look at it, but Deuteronomy chapter 6, um, in verses 6 through 9, he says, talk about these things when you get up in the morning, when you walk down the road, when you lay down at night, write them on, on the doorposts of your house. In other words, every day in every way, talk about the power of God, the work of God, the, the way God is at work. Make God real to your kids because he's real to you. This is another reason why it's very critical for a parent to have the kind of prayer life that says, I was praying about this and this is what happened. That's a testimony that prophetically energizes faith in the hearts of your children. It's really important to do. Now watch what happens here in Deuteronomy 6. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he has commanded you. When your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of these testimonies? What happens is, as you talk about what God has done and your children begin to say, I don't understand how that works or explain to me how that works in this situation or that situation or when they're going through a, tri a trial or a struggle and you're saying, listen, let me tell you what the Lord is able to do. It reminds me of this Bible story. It reminds me of this time in my life. It reminds me, and you give the testimony, what happens is you're connecting the next generation to a living, vibrant faith in God that will cause them to look to him and have their own testimony and encounter. When your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and the Lord showed signs and wonders. In other words, when, you're, when your kids ask you, why do you believe in God? Here's why I believe in God. I believe in God because I know he's real. I believe in God because I talked to him and when I talked to him and I asked him, he answered and he did this and he did this and he did this and he did this. There's no way you could convince me he's not real. It's the power of testimony. I think it's a very underutilized tool of discipleship by parents with their children. If you want your parents, if you want your children to have a living, vibrant faith, let them see it in you. Talk about it. Well, another scripture, Psalm 78. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children. God commands us to teach the stories of the Bible to our children. 
we would get there. There used to be like a one-year children's Bible, and we would get it and do it in our devotions with our, our kids, and we'd have them act out the Bible stories. Um, and you wonder sometimes how much they're really picking up, but they're picking up quite a bit, honestly. If nothing else, what they're picking up is mom and dad believe this to be very true. That the next generation might know them. Listen, the job of the church to teach your children is only supplemental to the primary responsibility of the parent to teach their children. You have to think about if the average parent only spends 37 minutes a day in meaningful conversation with their kids, you have to think through what you're going to talk about in those 37 minutes. And at some point, you've got to direct your children's attention to the Lord. And I'm not, I'm not saying that you should spend all 37 minutes quoting Bible verses. Don't be weird. Okay? Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. That the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn and, ar uh, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, that they would set their hope in God. Listen, when you and I talk about God as a living, active, good, gracious, prayer-answering God, your kids are going to set their hope in God. And they're not going to forget the works of God. Today in our pastoral prayer time, we, just, we have a time where there are testimonies. And not every testimony is, is glorious because what we're doing is we're willing to take risks because we believe God is at work. I'm telling the staff, I'd rather you obey God and step out in faith and not see something happen than to have sat and done nothing and missed what could have. So one staff member said, you know, I've, I felt God telling me to get up in the middle of the night to go to come and go to witness somebody. I went to the come and go and there wasn't anybody to witness to. I said, you do that enough, there'll be somebody. And the story you'll have will be quite powerful. Heaven takes notice of that kind of willingness to take risk and to obey. But so we're telling testimonies, and as we're telling testimonies, Josh Longenecker, come on up here, Josh. Give it up for Josh. He's, he's our past, uh, assimilation grow track pastor, but you told a story about Jadis. And as you were telling it, I just thought, that is so amazing, so incredible. And while I was listening to you, I thought, I'm going to have him share it. I don't know that you even knew what I was going to talk about tonight, but just tell what you told us. A few weeks ago, my wife and kids went home uh, to Ohio to, to visit her family, and um, somebody very close to us there 
Um, they have uh, a couple kids that are my kids' age, grown up with our kids, and uh, they recently decided, one of them that she's part of the LGBT plus community, and the other one that he's an atheist, and uh, we didn't know that going in, and so I didn't, you know, normally we'd have some kind of conversation about what to say and how to handle that, but so anyway, so we drop them off there, and they're hanging out at the park, and they're talking, and uh, this, this kid says to my daughter, he says uh, uh, something about a situation going on, and so she says, well, you should pray about that, and he says, why would I pray about that? God's not real, and she goes, well, what are you talking about? And he said, well, I'm an atheist, and there's no way you can convince me God is real. And so uh, he's like, you know, all of this, was, uh, science can prove all of this. There's, there's nothing about God that's real. And she says, well, that's not true. And he's like, well, prove it. And so as she's telling me this, I was like, well, well what did you say to him? And she goes, uh, <laughs> uh, she goes, well, dad, I just told him about what I've seen at camp and what I've seen at James River Youth. And uh, she goes, so she tells him, she says, Give the list. she says, how can you prove to me, how can you say God's not real when I'm at camp and we pray for a little girl that's deaf and her ears are open? She's like, how can you say that God's not real when this little girl comes in with scoliosis and can't bend over and all, after we pray, uh, she can bend down and touch the ground? She says, how can you tell me that God's not real when at James River Youth I'm seeing kids come down to the altar and they're, they're set free from depression and anxiety and they're walking away after after having been prayed for a different person, she says, how can you tell me God's not real? And she said, and he goes, well, there's, there's got to be a scientific explanation for this. And she goes, that's great. Give me one. Just give me any explanation other than the fact that we prayed and God answered. And then he, so he sat there and he thought about it for a minute. And then he goes, uh, well, if, you're, if God is real, he could never love someone like me. And she goes, why would you say that? And he goes, well, because I'm fighting to prove he's not real. And she said, you know what? There was this guy in the Bible that was out murdering Christians. And God loved him so much that he knocked him off his horse and saved him. And he served him the rest of his life. And he can do the same for you. And I'll tell you, Pastor, I was proud of her in that moment. But I was so thankful for what God's doing in the church. So we're part of a praying church and your prayers are changing the next generation because they're getting those moments, those anchor moments where no matter what happens in their life, there's things that they've seen God do that are undeniable. And as, as storms come and their faith is challenged, they can look and say, I know God's real because I've seen him and I've felt That's him right. and right. it's undeniable. That's awesome. Praise God. Thank you so much. Man, I can't hear, can't wait to hear her preach in years to come at DFL. <laughs> Testimonies are what connects succeeding generations of believers to God's promise and power. Number five. Wasn't that great? I mean, that was just like crazy good. Testi when testimonies are forgotten, faith for, for the miraculous is diminished. And so is obedience to God's command. This is why this is really, really important. Because invariably, what people want to do is people want to separate out God's work of power with 
character. Well, you know, I just, I just think I'll focus on character. And, you know, I've seen people who had the power of God on their life but didn't have the character. And so, like, somehow character is preferable to power. Listen, I, you know, you can walk on one leg. It's easier on two. And I say, let's, let's walk on the, the legs of character and power. Let's be people who pursue both. And when testimonies are forgotten, what happens? Obedience to God's command goes out the window. It's very interesting. Every generation in Israel that stopped walking in covenant with God did so because what? They forgot his testimony. Listen to it in Psalm 78. The Ephraimites, armed with the bow, turned back on the day of battle. We really don't know when this was. Scholars debate about different stories or Bible chapters it could be a part of. They turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant, but refused to walk according to his law. Why? They forgot his works and the wonders he had shown them. Notice they're equipped for battle, but they turned back. Why? Because they forgot his works and the wonders. They forgot the testimonies of God. Had they remembered them, those testimonies would have given them the courage to go into battle, to fight the battle, believing God would help them, and to win the battle. There would have been an anointing upon them. Let me just say this. Don't forget the things God's done. Remember them in the Word. Love the Word. Relish the Word. Talk about the Word. It's true. It's not fables. It's not fairy tales. What, what God did, He really did. In your own life, don't forget what God has done. How easy it is for us to forget the most extraordinary miracles. It doesn't happen overnight. That downward spiral begins when we stop talking about the amazing things God has done. Why, do, why am I talking more and more about it? Because I'm realizing that as I talk about it, it's building people's faith to receive from God the things only he can do. I mean, I think of... of you know, the man in Joplin and his feet since he was in high school, so painful, he could only stand for 10 minutes at a time. Something about hearing about God healing that when he's in the presence of the Lord, his feet begin to burn with fire. And all of a sudden he's like, initially thinks, oh, something's wrong with him. And then he thinks, oh my goodness, God is doing something with him. And something that he'd had a surgery for that, that would correct the issue 70% of the time didn't work for him. Something that he suffered with all of his life. Instantly he was healed in the presence of the Lord. This is why I talk about it. Because there's a prophetic power on the testimony to elevate people's faith to receive what only God can do for them. Here's what happens. When we stop talking about the amazing things is done, soon God has done, soon we're thinking about other things and our expectation to see God do great things diminishes and because we have lower expectations, we step out in faith less and we experience fewer miracles or fewer acts of God in our life. 
We talk less, expect less, experience less. And then what happens tragically is when we face a challenge, we find ourselves saying, God, I want to believe, but I'm just struggling to believe. Listen, I'm just saying that the testimonies of the Lord are a way of preparing you for your day of battle, which may very well be tomorrow morning. And I'm praying for people at James River to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. But I have to cooperate with the purposes of God. And a part of that is to emphasize the testimonies of God that you might be strong enough to believe God will help you like he's helped people in the Bible or like he helped people we've talked about tonight. Number six, I'm moving along really quick. I'm sorry, I'm going way too late, but I, I do want to finish this because I think it's important. Don't worry, we're going we're gonna to get you out of here. Before midnight. Um. <laughs> when testimonies, it's not that funny. When testimonies are forgotten, we not only forget who God is, but we forget who we are. As Christians, we're sent by Jesus into this world to bring his kingdom message to people. And when you read the New Testament, Paul says, when I did that, I did it with a demonstration of the power of God. The message of the kingdom was never intended to be separated from the power, a demonstration of God's power. But when we forget the testimonies, honestly, what happens when God's working in our life becomes distant, our passion for the souls of people becomes less. The people who are the most bold in their witness and the most passionate about bringing people to Christ are the people who are experiencing God's working in their life in a very current sort of way. Our Christianity was never designed, as I said at the start of the message, to be a waiting room for heaven. Praise God, he saved you, but now it's about who are you gonna, who are you gonna bring with you? And you know what I've been doing? I've been keeping a record of the testimonies that we've been saying. Something, you know, and I don't have time to talk about it, but something really happened in Debbie in my life in March that radically changed us. And I've been keeping track of what God's been doing ever since then. I talk about them. I sound like a broken record. I repeat them. I review them. Because if we don't stay aware of the miraculous work of God, our ministry will be reduced to what we can do through our own ministry gifts, and that would be a tragedy. I don't want to see what I can do as a pastor. I want to see what he can do. Number seven, when we meditate on testimonies, it renews our mind. This is interesting. The psalmist says this, come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of men. 
He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through. So that's the crossing of the Red Sea with Moses. They passed through the river. That's the crossing of, of the Jordan with Joshua. There, we did rejoice with him. Wait a minute. That was hundreds of years ago. How did you get we? Because their testimony is his testimony. When the work of God in Scripture becomes real to you, how does it become real to you? When you picture it, when you imagine it, when you think of actually crossing on that Jordan River bed and it's dry and the water's piled up, when you think of hundreds of feet of water on either side of you as you're walking through the Red Sea and you think of the Egyptian army chasing you and you think of the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day so big it, it radiates the sky and two million people can move at night because it's so bright and you realize the glory of God's there and you're picturing that and it's as if you're reliving it and it becomes real to you it changes you it builds your faith it gives you joy his meditation renewed his mind and it caused praise to well up in his heart and he began to see the prior history of Israel as his own history. The miracles in the Bible, they belong to God's people. They are your testimony. They are God's working in his people and you're one of his people. And as we meditate on them, what happens, it gives us a perspective of faith. And we see the hand of God moving among us. And honestly, if God's not moving among us, then we're no different than anybody else in the world. The thing that makes a Christian different is God is, a real, is real, he's alive, and he's at work in their lives, amen? And that's our testimony. I have inherited Psalm 119, your testimonies forever, they are the joy of my heart.